Welcome back to It's Not About the Bunny, a podcast about Twin Peaks. I'm Caroline. And I'm Brian. And it's been a while since we talked to you. We hope everybody's okay. Are you okay? I'm great. I'm great too. Um, It's been about a month since we released our last episode, but it's been longer than that since we recorded because we were busy having a baby. And now we have a baby and it turns out having a baby is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to do things a little bit differently for a little while. We had planned originally to start off right out of the gate with uh, Fire Walk With Me and then do some more episodes about um, The Red Room and uh, The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer and Twin Peaks The Missing Pieces. We're still going to get to that stuff, but for right now, while our baby is very little, we are going to do some episodes about individual Twin Peaks characters. We thought that'd be fun. So we're going to start off with Major Garland Briggs in this episode today in honor of our baby because he has a baby face and kind of looks like Major Briggs. <laughs> yeah, he really does. He does. Really <laughs> yeah, we're not going to show any of no. you pictures of him. Sorry. But he's very cute. He's a good baby. Um so, do you want to just get cracking? Uh, yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Okay. So we have a couple of discussion points that we're going to go through for each of these character-based episodes. And um, the first point is, is this character a Twin Peaks native? And does that matter? What do we know about Major Garland Briggs in that regard? Well, he's a man of mystery. Yes. But I always assume that he was not a Twin Peaks native. I assumed that too. Because he's in the military, mm-hmm. one, and if you're in the military, you might very well move around a lot. Right. And number two, we find out that he's in that area specifically for his job. Right, right. Um, and we don't really find out what that job is until the second half of the second season, do we? Right. And honestly, I am a little unclear on the details. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's some kind of listening station up there. Right. He's there's... involved with Project Blue Book, which is all about like tracking UFOs and aliens. Right. And... But also, is that overlapping with the Blue Rose cases? I think we find that out in the movie. Yeah. But at any rate, um, right. Project Blue Book was uh, was looking at... UFOs, mm-hmm. UFO phenomena, mm-hmm. looking at the skies, mm-hmm. but then later they became interested in phenomena in the woods. Yes. In the woods of Washington State. Yes. And so Major Briggs is somehow involved in that professionally, but it seems to be a kind of personal mission for him as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, but he's not a Twin Peaks native. Mm-hmm. Um I'm pretty sure of that. There's some information we found online about Major Briggs Mm -hmm. that I don't think I want to consider anything out of the show canon. Yeah. Except maybe the diary. Right. And the film, obviously. Well, right. The film. Anything anything we all see on a screen. Right. Um, You know, the secret history, um, the final dossier. Mm -hmm. Apparently there were some trading cards that included information. (laughs) Yeah. Where we learned where Major Briggs went to military academy and all Mm -hmm. of that. Um, But all of that is consistent, I'll say, though not canon, consistent with uh, my assumption that Mm -hmm. he's not from that area. He's there for work. And so he is something of an outsider, which is interesting because we talk about the town. We talk a lot about the town and the town's 
uh, representation of itself, its desire to present itself in a certain way and protect right. its self-image. And it's interesting to think of Major Briggs in relation to that discussion mm-hmm. because he's not really someone who was invested in Twin Peaks in the same way. Yes. As far as we know, mm-hmm. we, we never really hear him talk about Twin Peaks as like, oh, this is a special place as far as I can right. remember. But I think there's also the element that... um you know, when we come to Twin Peaks in the pilot episode, we're coming to a place that has a history and characters that have a history in that place. And it seems that most of the people we meet grew up there. Yes. Which, um, I don't know that I want to say that's unusual, but it does mean that it is a community that is a little bit insular. And so we mostly see it from an outsider's perspective. That is Cooper. And the other outsiders, other than Cooper, seem to be pretty few and far between. And so I think it is kind of significant that Major Briggs, who in some ways seems very Twin Peaksy, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that's similar to the Log Lady. Right. Um, he's apparently an outsider too. But maybe what we know from that is that this kind of person is drawn to this place. Yeah, well certainly he was drawn there for his work sure looking into paranormal activity mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i mean just in general right maybe this place is sort of a magnet for unusual events and unusual people and mm-hmm. people who are sensitive to to um the other realms beyond the visible yes yes <laughs> <laughs> and he certainly seems like one of those people yeah um but yeah, he's also, uh, you know, someone who's kind of secretive and not someone who reveals his emotions often. So mm-hmm. we don't know. We don't know necessarily, you know, what does he, uh, how does he feel about Twin Peaks? Right. Um, but uh, at any rate, he's he's more like the FBI agents in that he has much broader concerns than the town. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely not. I mean, it's interesting to compare him to Sheriff Truman. You know, they're both uh sort of coded conservative yeah 100 percent uh but you know i think briggs even more so initially yes and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. but um but obviously their concerns are very different that yeah. because truman's concerns are local and are steep in this one place yes and in the idea that this is a special place that has to be guarded from evil forces that mm-hmm. are that are defined as coming from outside of its boundaries. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, you know, whereas Major Briggs is here because it's a weird place where weird yeah. things happen. And there might be some kind of source of evil in the place. Right. Yeah. So his, as someone in the Air Force, um, automatically his concerns are not this one place. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about conservative coding, but it's interesting how there's sort of like, this tension within American conservatism between the tendency to devolve power locally yes, to states, obviously, yes. since the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, versus the federal government. The sort of, yeah. you know, Ruby Ridge uh, uh, anti, anti-government conservatism, for, but also at the same time, the same movement housing the military and people that, mm-hmm. that are in the military, that respect the military, um and uh in a way those are those are very different perspectives yeah and uh i have some thoughts there but we can wait we have another point that's uh really about the character's politics so i can wait for that um 
But our next discussion point, what does this character love most? And is it a person or a thing? And how can we tell? Mm. I think that Major Briggs is a character who, at least by season two, is very obviously driven by love um, in a way that maybe some of the other characters aren't in so clear a way. And I think what is interesting for him is that, you know, we talk about Sheriff Truman having this special loyalty to Twin Peaks, the place and the community and wanting to protect it above all and protect it from outsiders. I think Major Briggs is really a family man. Yeah, well, I think that he changed over the course really? of his, I don't want to say this, the series, mm-hmm. because I think it's easiest to see the change when you actually look at the missing pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, the only glimpse of Major Bridge we get from before mm-hmm. the pilot. Right. In terms of the chronology of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if we want to postpone that discussion or get into it now. Um, we can get into it now. Because I think it also has to do with Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. So... Let's just say that when we first see Major Briggs, he is a very stentorian. Is that a word? Yeah. Right. He's, you know, he's a little, he's a, he's very authoritarian. Yes, he's stern. He's um, religious. He's religious. We first see him reading the Bible at mm-hmm. home, which yeah. is pretty hardcore. I, I come from a pretty religious family, mm-hmm. and we never sat around reading the Bible. No, no, we didn't ever did that either. Well, you were Catholic. Yeah, Catholics don't. Do that. <laughs> so that's that's very religious to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will, <laughs> I keep saying we'll get into it later, but. Um, no, I mean, I think we should at some point do an episode about Twin Peaks and religion because yes. most of the characters, and this seems unusual to me for a small town, but it seems that most of the characters are not religious and don't really have much of a connection to any kind of church or religious tradition and we really only see religion when it's connected to funerals yes the funeral yeah and the when major bridge reads the bible yeah and um the haywards go to church that's right but we only i think we only see it once right it's sort of the generic religion of springfield right the simpsons yeah you know just vaguely protestant um maybe it. episcopalian or something maybe maybe like mainline methodist who knows but it's um clearly much more of a this is what we do thing than a actual i don't know deeply felt ideology for anybody. right which is uh true to how a lot of people experience religion mm-hmm. for sure sure and i don't know that much about small town life in the Pacific Northwest or sure. if it's different than than small town life in the South or not. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's a pretty different history being, you know, on the frontier. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I also would expect a little more religiosity, but that's also the kind of thing that maybe they wouldn't want to put on TV in the nineties. Sure. They wouldn't want to get uh, inadvertently to, offend anyone. Yeah, offend anyone or to touch that kind of hot topic of, mm-hmm. of religion in America. Sure. 
Uh, and also, it's not really where the heart of the show lies. And even with Major Briggs, his religion is uh, hard to pinpoint. Yes. And yeah, to get back to him, I think that incident in the pilot where he's reading from the Bible, I think it's more um, of an example of a kind of character signifier where it's just supposed to quickly let us know that this is a conservative right strict man yes and especially to contrast him with bobby who's very religious and uh at that point we don't know possibly a murderer you said bobby was religious um no i'm saying bobby is not not religious right sorry did i say that rebellious rebellious um and we're supposed to see a very strong contrast between the two of them in the pilot, I think. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's really all Major Briggs' role in the pilot is. Yeah, and, and I think the implication that these two sides are feeding off of each other. Yeah. And Bobby's rebell- rebelling because his father is so strict. Right, exactly. And that makes his father more strict. Mm-hmm. And that's like the cycle that they're in. Yeah, and, and uh, Mrs. Briggs seems a little bit oblivious um, to what her son is doing and to... Um, the dynamic between her son and her husband. Well, like a traditional mother, she's mm-hmm. leaving the discipline to the father. Yeah, sure. That's his role. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking about love. Yes. We're talking about love. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it maybe it changed a bit and that he became more of a family man. Yeah. And was more, or at least he became more open to, about his love for his family. Yes. that, that was actually a guiding principle for him. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, I guess before the scene in the diner where he talks about his vision mm-hmm. of Bobby, before that, everything we see about him indicates that his whole life is his his job. Yes. And But that that's a sense of duty that he has. Mm-hmm. And the more we find out about his job, we can uh, see that it's not just about, you know, loyalty to uh his commanding officer or patriotism he seems to be you know embroiled in some kind of huge co- uh, cosmic struggle mm-hmm. and so he has a higher purpose yes um that and that that's what he's focused on mm-hmm. and that there's maybe that's like there's something noble about that yeah i think it um I think I agree. It's so interesting. That scene with him and Bobby in the diner is, I think, so important. And it's a scene that the show called back to several times. And, you know, everybody who watches that show talks about that scene and how moving it is. And um, it is moving. And I think what is so interesting is that it is very clearly a change. But we don't get to see the actual change. You know, we don't get to see major Briggs struggling alone with any kind of revelation um we just get to see him share it Mm. and then after that he is that person who would experience and then share that thing Mm. i'm not sure i agree you don't okay just because i mean it's hard to track it because it's not like we it's not like the show is all about major breaks. No, so we only get it in bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that scene, mm-hmm. he shakes Bobby's hand. Yeah, yeah. So I do think we we do see kind of see the progression. And maybe um, the act of sharing that dream with Bobby, um, or that vision rather, 
um, is also part of what made him realize how important it was. Yeah, because I think when he's sharing it, there's maybe some hesitance. Absolutely. Hesitancy. Yeah, there, that's the thing that the last time we watched it, I kept noticing how he can't really meet Bobby's eye when he's talking. And maybe he, it's, yeah, like, I, it's not so much that he had this vision and he processed it, mm-hmm. and now he knows what to do. Yeah. It's like he had this vision, and now he feels compelled mm-hmm. to share it. Yeah. But not knowing what that's going to lead to mm-hmm. or what it means or yeah. not having, he hasn't processed all of his feelings about it mm-hmm. at that point. Yes. And so he still can't really express any personal warmth, even though obviously there's a, there's a great deal of love there. Yeah. But at that point, he is still keeping a little bit of a distance mm-hmm. and it's still, they're still negotiating the boundaries, the two of them. Yes. Um, and maybe that's also good for Bobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby is probably not ready for his dad to bring him in for a big old bear hug. Right. And I think it's clear that that exchange does change Bobby, but it's a change that happens in fits and starts like it would in real life. Yeah. Where I think it clearly meant a lot to him. Um, you know, Bobby's crying. He's clearly moved, but he's still a little bit of a dirtbag and he acts like a dirtbag intermittently. But after that, you start to see more scenes of Bobby trying to genuinely proactively care for Shelly and to make their life together better to protect her. Um, And he really does become a better and better person Mm -hmm. (laughs) over the course of the series. And I think that's where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also think that there are other things that happen to Major Briggs. Yeah. You know, I think when he disappears and mm-hmm. comes back, yeah, that has an effect as well. And mm-hmm. it's after he returns that he hugs his family. Yeah. Because they're they're also glad to be reunited. Mm-hmm. And that breaks down a lot of barriers too. Can we say anything about his relationship with Mrs. Briggs? It's hard to say. Yeah, it is hard to say. I mean, it's um in the pilot and in, you know, the first few episodes, I'm thinking of the one with Lara's funeral too, where the Briggses appear. Um, she seems like such a passive woman um, who has this very calm and, you know, happy relationship with her husband, mostly because it seems like she just ignores things. Mm-hmm. Um, and she leaves certain things to him and doesn't really think about the rest of it. Um I'm thinking of like the scene where Major Briggs hits Bobby. Yes. Um, which when does that happen in the scene with Lars or in the episode with Lars' funeral? I yeah, think? I think so. Yeah. Um, she just seems completely unconnected with that, and so it's um, it's a little unclear like what state their marriage is in. Is it just one of people who don't talk to each other and are fine? But um, in the episode in season two where he's like disappeared and he comes back in like a pilot's outfit, um, Bobby and his mother talk about major and um it seems more likely to me in that episode that she knows she's married to an unusual man yeah who does unusual things and doesn't always explain them and sometimes disappears and then comes back right and she's just kind of made her peace with it Mm -hmm. and she's made her peace with the idea that she doesn't need to know everything 
and she's not going to know everything, but she feels secure in his love and devotion. Right. And I don't know whether that's a change or whether that was always yeah. true. And what I saw in the pilot as a kind of like oblivious passivity was really a much more mature kind of Zen attitude of, oh, he's just going to do what he's going to do. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. And I think that, well, the sense that I got mm -hmm. is that she was on the same page yeah. as Major Briggs and mm -hmm. that she's also um, maybe kind of strict and traditional. Sure. So that she doesn't necessarily have a problem with mm -hmm. uh, some corporal punishment. Yeah. She's, uh, it's been a while since I watched the, the missing pieces, mm -hmm. but it seemed like she was on board with reading the Bible. Yeah, yeah. That was just something they, they do together. Right. It wasn't like he was making her do it. Or, no, absolutely not. She was cowering. Mm -hmm. So I just figured they're on the same page. They're both the same kind of person, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then when it when we find out that there is this solid foundation to their relationship, that made sense to me. Yeah, I think I agree. But then that may mean that he was always pretty family-oriented. He just wasn't right. always able to express it. Yeah, or maybe not express it to Bobby in the way that he could hard. to his wife. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. To have, yeah, to have a child that starts to rebel. Yeah. Or that has a different personality. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be hard to deal with. Our child is never going to rebel. <laughs> He's going to be a perfect angel all his life, just like he is now. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Bobby's parents said that about him. Yeah, but I did want to say one more thing about this topic before we move on, which mm -hmm. is I want to draw a comparison between Major Briggs and um, and Albert. Hmm, that's an interesting comparison. I hadn't thought of those As two together. Characters that have a global concern. Yeah. And for sure. so when we ask what does Major Briggs love, mm -hmm. you know, I think that he, he, he probably has a sort of abstract love. Yes. Yeah. You know, that he does what he does mm -hmm. for love of yeah. humanity or mm -hmm. something like that. Right. Uh, and that, that doesn't necessarily require him to be nice to individual people. Yeah. But then his story becomes uh, actually deepening his connections with the individual people around him mm -hmm. and then that in turn makes his higher duty more uh pressing mm -hmm. it, it's more real to him yeah absolutely yeah but i think it also that um i'm glad you said that because that kind of cosmic higher level love that he has is able to influence what he feels and then expresses to Bobby, which is just this absolute conviction that Bobby is going to be okay and is going mm. to have a good and happy life. And um, yeah. it's only because he can sort of look down on things from a high level that he is able to see that and not worry that, well, Bobby's a dirtbag right now and he right. doesn't do what he's supposed to and he never goes to school and... Um, he can kind of step back and say, no, he's going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which makes it true. Which makes it true. Yeah. All right. Um, so moving on, we actually know the answer to this question for Major Briggs because he says it. But um, that's the question. What frightens this character the most and how can we tell? And what does this fear tell us about him? 
So he does answer this because Windermere asks him. And he says what he fears most is the possibility that love isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that before um, in the episode where it happens. And I think that's a really interesting answer. But why is he most afraid of that? Well, it's lines like that that lead me to infer that he that his sense of duty is wrapped up in a mm-hmm. feeling of love. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Is the love that he's talking about the love for humanity as mm-hmm. such, or is it his love for his family? Yeah. Um, and we see him, we see that his love changes his son. So mm-hmm. that's that's a concrete instance of love being enough. Love, yes, of just loving someone, which is. You might say that love is not real as a material reality. Mm-hmm. It's an emergent phenomenon. It's mm-hmm. part of our conscious yeah. consciousness projecting onto the world. It's right. a conventional reality. Mm-hmm. But here it then in turn changes Bobby. Yes. And then changing the material reality of Twin Peaks because then Bobby's life changes and that leads yeah. to things that happen down the road. Mm-hmm. And... You know, that's a very beautiful vision, but maybe it doesn't always work out like that. Right. You know? Yeah. And we see lots of suffering in Twin Peaks. And yes. I think part of the problem that Laura had was no one really loved her mm-hmm. in that unconditional way. Yeah. Where, you know, Major Briggs is telling Bobby, you're going to have this great life and be happy, and that's going to make me happy. And that has nothing to do with you loving me mm-hmm. or treating me well yeah yeah and i'm not asking you to stop being a dirtbag right. i'm not asking you to stop being disrespectful or to do anything i'm just saying this is my vision of you yeah and that wasn't something laura had really no, it wasn't um because everyone even people that i do think genuinely wanted her to be happy and mm-hmm. wanted to help like James, sure, and maybe Bobby too. Yeah, they they had too much of themselves wrapped up in it. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think when Major Briggs says that what he is most frightened of is the possibility that love isn't enough, I think what that reveals is that he is deliberately living his life um, with the guiding belief that it is enough, mm-hmm. and that it is maybe the only thing. Right. And so that is what creates that fear that maybe his whole life is directed towards something that doesn't work. Yeah, well, we all have to stake our lives on something. Yeah. And that's a gamble. Because mm-hmm. no one really knows Yeah. Uh, if it's worth it. Right. <laughs> right. And that's since everyone's an existentialist, I think. I suppose so. No, I really think that, mm-hmm. you know. I think deep down everyone realizes they have that choice yeah. that they have to make mm-hmm. um, to find meaning in life. Even yeah. if that meaning that they find turns out to be through religion or re- something received, mm-hmm. received tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that's still something that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That you're staking your life on. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, especially if nowadays when you can see, it's not like, uh, I don't know, 300 years ago, living in a holler your whole life. Right. It's like, now you know there's plenty of different ways you could live if you wanted. Yeah. 
And I think that actually drives people crazy too. I think so. I think so. Now, next question, and I think this will be juicy. How is this character connected to Laura Palmer? How is this character connected to her death? How does this character feel about her death? What do this you think? Is, this is interesting. Yeah. Because Major Briggs is one of the characters who was least connected. Yes. To Laura and, and her death. it does seem like everybody in Twin Peaks is somehow connected, but he isn't really apart from through Bobby. Through Bobby, right. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting. Um, and I was thinking about the missing pieces. Yeah. Right. So that, that's really where we get to see what Major Briggs was doing mm-hmm. the day that Laura died. Yeah. And what we find is he was reading the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he seemed completely unconcerned yeah. with what Bobby was doing. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a kind of, um, it's a well-acted scene. Yeah. Uh, anyone who hasn't seen the missing pieces, you I should. think you should go and watch them. Yeah. They're really, they're really worth watching. Mm-hmm. But, and it's, um, it's a whole movie of material of stuff that was cut from Firewalk with me. Yes. And, and it, it's, it's all good, except the, the missing scenes from the, the prologue mm-hmm. with, uh, uh, Chris Isaac. Yeah. Is that that guy's name? Yes. I don't really like the prologue that much, and I, the missing scenes are not that good either. But mm-hmm. everything else is great. And at any rate, the scene from the missing pieces, just to describe it, there's not that much. Uh, I think Bobby. Well, I'm trying to remember where it fits in with the with the chronology of the movie Firewalk with Me. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's difficult because these are just deleted scenes that are presented out of context. Right. Um, but at any rate, Bobby is sort of disturbed by what's going on with Laura and mm-hmm. his relationship with her where he is way in over his head yeah. uh, but his parents are completely unconcerned and kind of checked out uh, they're reading the Bible yes from the book of Revelations oh yeah I know <laughs> very I'd forgotten it was revelations that's pretty on the nose <laughs> yeah a little bit um, well it's a book of prophecy mm-hmm. and yet, Major Briggs seems completely unaware of what's about to happen. Yeah. And yeah, there's this sort of sense because Bobby comes in, his parents are reading the Bible, and then I think he leaves. Mm-hmm. But there's a sense that they are used to this division, that yeah. Bobby has his own life. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want his parents involved in it. And they don't, you know, they see him as rebellious and as a bad kid, maybe a bad seed. Yeah. And um, he has to obey certain rules in the house mm-hmm. or he will be hit. Yeah. But they're not, at this point, maybe they've given up on trying to control what he does outside of the house. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting connection to the scene early in the pilot where um, Sarah is calling Mrs. Briggs to see if yeah. she knows where Laura is. And Mrs. Briggs is just, maybe she's with Bobby. You know, I don't know where Bobby is. It's right. fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so this got me thinking. If anyone in Twin Peaks would have been able to save Laura, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be Major Briggs? Why do you think? Well, because he's the only one who seems to actually, um, he's aware of the weird things that happen at 
around Twin Peaks, at least. Yeah. He's okay. not deceiving himself about them. Mm-hmm. He is a character that's portrayed as noble and good mm-hmm. and having access to, you know, yeah. higher realms of knowledge in some way and mm-hmm. being maybe plugged in to the spiritual aspect of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. He has visions. Yeah. But there's none of that. No. So while he's not connected with her, I do wonder whether more than other people, he does, he bears responsibility, not because he did anything, mm. but because he didn't do anything. And yeah, he it's knew... like he understood in a way that the others, right. the sort of higher cosmic significance of Lara's death and what it was connected to, but he didn't, he wasn't able to bring that down to a human level. And that's because he it's because he didn't have a good relationship with Bobby. Because if he had, he would have known more about what Bobby was into. Mm -hmm. Maybe he would have known more about what was happening to Laura. Yeah. I mean, I think about those, that scene from the missing pieces and I kind of wish it had been kept in fire walk with me because I think it would have been such an important contrast to this really dysfunctional claustrophobia that is in the Palmer house. Yeah. Where, um, Laura's father knows too much about her yeah. in a very literal sense. Um, you mean biblical? Yes. And, um, you know, contrast that with Major Briggs, who has no idea what's going on with Bobby right. and doesn't really seem to care that much about what's going on with Bobby. Yeah, he doesn't want to know because mm-hmm. he knows it's no good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's his uh, moralism, mm-hmm. the moralistic side of his conservative nature. Yeah. And that's precisely what prevents him. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, who knows if he actually would have been able to do anything if he yeah. had more, but mm-hmm. he was completely unconcerned. Yeah. I am. Um, when I thought about this question, I thought about um, the scene right after Leland's death where, uh, you know, all the boys, uh, Cooper, Truman, Albert, Hawk, mm-hmm. and Major Briggs, are all talking and, you know, trying to kind of sum things up for us. Um, I think that scene is very interesting um, because of how they're sort of unable to really define what happened and define whether Bob is real or whether it was just a delusion, what it's more comforting to believe, whether that means that you should believe the thing that's more comforting. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really thought about it before, but like, why is Major Briggs there? <laughs> because he's not one of the bookhouse boys, right. which is also maybe something we should talk about, the fact that he's not. Um, he wasn't really involved in solving the mystery at all, apart from like a couple of like hints that he gives to Cooper and, you know, bringing the elderly waiter to the roadhouse at the end right. for the big, you know, revelatory meeting, um, which seems to be kind of a coincidence. Yes. Um, but but yeah, uh, the kind of coincidence that means he's plugged into exactly Cooper's world or is on Cooper's right. wavelength. So it definitely seems an important and deliberate choice that he's one of the people at the end to kind of evaluate. Okay, what did we learn here? Right. Um, he's connected enough for that, but he hadn't really been connected to the solving of the mystery. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, what do you make of that? I don't know. Why he wasn't part of the, the, the investigation. Yeah. Um, 
Well, because everything he knows, he knows because of his uh, his position in the Air Force, and mm-hmm. he's not allowed to divulge. And that becomes an right. issue in season in the rest of season two. That's true. Um, that Cooper wants to know more information because it turns out, as I recall, mm-hmm. it's all very convoluted. Yeah, I think that Wyndham Earl was involved in mm-hmm. in uh, Project Blue Book. That's or, right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever Major Briggs was working on, mm-hmm. when he was yeah, involved, and they right. needed to know about that. Mm-hmm. And at first, he said, "Well, I'm not supposed to tell you." Yeah. But then later, he he decides that actually there's something uh, something at stake that's more important than mm-hmm. the merely nas- national interests of the Air Force. Which right. Is interesting. Yeah. And that's sort of where he he truly transcends conservatism. Yes. <laughs> because mm-hmm. for the con- conservative of this kind at least there is no higher interest in the national interest yeah true or they are they would never be in conflict Mm -hmm. but here major briggs sees a conflict and he actually says okay i'm going to tell you yeah but before that he can't really say anything Mm -hmm. and then also it's not clear that he even though he knows things other characters don't know Mm -hmm. i don't think that he knows at that point that it's connected with laura palmer right you know this local murder Mm mm-hmm there doesn't seem to be any hint that that he is drawing the connections there. Well, yeah. until uh, he is asked to deliver the message, yeah, to Cooper, right? Of course, from outer space, <laughs> yeah, Cooper, Cooper. Um, uh, but what does he say when they're uh, at, in the episode where Leland dies? Is, is he the one that quotes Shakespeare? There are more things in heaven and earth that are dreamt of right. in our philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of one of those things that people say to sound profound um, without actually saying anything. But I don't know if that's true in this case. Does that tell us anything, the fact that he uses that line? Well, it makes sense because he is someone who investigates supernatural, you know, supernatural events and things like that. So he's already willing to uh, believe that in a way his take on this isn't trying isn't reductive he's not trying to yeah, say I think that's well, here's it. what it means he's and saying he's not... all it means is that we don't know that much right you know he's not like um really cooper and truman are both doing this trying to make it make sense um and Truman wants to believe that Leland was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cooper wants to believe that it was Bob because that's more comforting than believing that a man could rape and murder his own daughter. Right. Um, and so we, I think we talked about this in the episode um, where we discussed this episode, which is that when Major Briggs says there are more things in heaven and earth, he's not just saying... Um, yeah, there are entities like Bob that can possess people right. and make them do unimaginably evil things. He's also saying there are people in the world who will act like this. Right. And just because we don't understand it, that doesn't mean they're not there. You know, heaven and earth. Right. Yeah, on a spiritual plane and a human one. Right, and more there's, things. Yeah. Mm-hmm, there is great evil. And there are things outside of your philosophy. Yes. So mm-hmm. that could be any philosophy. Yeah. You know, or so. outside of your 
ability to systematize something and right. place it within a moral framework. Yeah, and I think in a way the the supernatural elements of Twin Peaks are uh, could be seen as metaphorical mm-hmm. for the, those things that we can't systematize. Yeah, and so uh, we like to believe that. For example, there are good guys and bad guys uh, in a small town. Mm-hmm. Most people are good, except maybe some some drug dealers right. or rough types. And mm-hmm. why are they like that? I don't know, um, but we know who they are. Yeah. Uh, but then the idea that yeah, that, that a pillar of the community mm-hmm. who is friendly and upstanding, educated, intelligent, educated, yeah. well to do would be doing this evil that's mm-hmm. not even the evil of like you know selling drugs where right. there's a clear profit motive but mm-hmm. like just an almost like sadistic gratuitous evil mm-hmm. an almost unimaginable evil yeah uh it doesn't make sense yeah right and i think that is where major briggs's work does play into it too in that he is able to look at Twin Peaks as a place and as something that is part of a much larger system, not just this Edenic small town where everybody cares about everybody and everybody's connected to everybody else in good mm. ways, Yeah, but as um, a particular place in a particular part of the world that is influenced by forces outside of it. Yes. And that are larger than it. And um, that's true in both a material sense and in Twin Peaks, a uh, spiritual sense. Yeah, Twin Peaks can't be a paradise because like every other place on Earth, it winds up being a battleground. Yeah. Uh, It's a nexus Mm -hmm. of history and culture. Yes. And economics, which is history. Right, it is the it's the uh, the crux mm-hmm. of the abstract forces that make it up. Yeah, it's their manifestation as a real moment and place. Mm-hmm. Everything happens at a place in time. Yeah, but we only understand it by reference to what comes before, what comes after, mm-hmm. and its situation, uh, how it's situated within other places. Yeah, um, and so in a way, the small town uh, as uh, a myth is like uh the myth of this small town is our desire to be free of history yeah. and be free of context <laughs> yeah it's like he's saying the twin peaks is both smaller and larger than the people there think yes it it contains more possibilities right that are dreamt of in their philosophy but also it's a small part of a very large network of interlocking stuff yeah yeah so mm-hmm. it's a microcosm yeah as above so below yes <laughs> so bring it back to the occult yeah exactly um but there was one other point i wanted to make sure. about this mm-hmm. question which is uh or maybe my question is is it possible that major briggs sort of realizes that he missed something mm. after laura died and that maybe mm. that started the ball rolling for That's him to interesting. decide to try to reach out to his son. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That, you know, again, that would happen off screen or mm-hmm. in his head and we don't see it happen. Yeah, it, if it happened, it definitely happened off screen. But I think that's a really interesting possibility. Um, I like that. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say because he's still very stern mm -hmm. in season one and he hits Bobby. Yeah. But that, uh, you know, and that's the day of the funeral. Mm -hmm. And I think he does say something about the funeral to Bobby. Do you remember what he says? Well, he tells him that he has to basically shape up and go. Right. Um, but doesn't he, does he say something about the value of the funeral? Yeah. That there, it's for the living or something like that. Right. Yeah. So that's, uh, that makes sense that he's focused on the social function of, mm -hmm. of the funeral Yeah. as a military man, mm -hmm. but you know, there's obviously more to it yeah. than what, what is for the living mm -hmm. or that, that very dichotomy that, that, you know, this is for the living, but yeah. Laura died for the living mm -hmm. so that they could continue being the living. Yeah. These two things, the living and the dead are connected as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, so um, to a kind of uh, lighter question, what does this character do in their spare time? So we know Major Briggs reads the Bible and he fishes. Yes. What does that tell us about him? He's conservative. He, um, fishing is a very solitary activity. You know, like it can be social. He can invite people to mm -hmm. go with him. But I think um, it shows patience, you know, like it, it yes. shows somebody who is willing to sit in one place quietly for mm -hmm. a long time. Yes. Yeah, which is interesting. And I also think that Major Briggs is someone who appreciates the beauty of nature. Yeah. We know that he just wanders around in the woods, mm -hmm. even when he knows there's a crazy killer yes loose yes in the woods that is true and also spirit like weird horses that will abduct him right <laughs> uh i think yeah he is he is sort of connected with mm -hmm. the woods not as a place of dark forces but as just a yeah in a way there's a tension here between the idea of the woods as um the place of evil mm -hmm. and the woods is simply a place of greater forces yeah. that are older mm -hmm. and more complex right and mysterious yeah than civilization yeah absolutely and i think major briggs sort of sees both sides of it he's not like harry truman who just says well there's evil in the woods mm -hmm. for major briggs the woods aren't just evil mm -hmm. i think he sees that there's all kinds of different maybe there's different kinds of powers or powers that are different aspects of one thing in the woods mm -hmm. and he i don't know it's um he invites cooper to go fishing with him right and it's important it's not just fishing it's night fishing oh that's right yeah, yeah. deserves a quiet night <laughs> um and it's such an interesting character choice that that would be something he enjoys um He's really, yeah, like you said, he's not afraid of the woods in Twin Peaks, even though he knows what they are yes. better than everybody, um, apart from possibly the log lady. Yeah. Yeah, so it is interesting that it's fishing mm -hmm. and that it is something that kills mm. life. Right. And that's something that comes up in Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. like, um destruction of the natural environment yeah we don't really see a lot of hunting in twin peaks do we we see a lot of animal carcasses mm -hmm. on walls that's true 
which I think is deliberate. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a sort of, uh, it's maybe a naive view of fishing as the kind of destruction of nature that allows you to remain in tune with nature. Yes. And a sort of uh, maybe somewhat fetishized mm -hmm. idea of Native Americans living in harmony. Yeah, of course. That, that they might have fished and, and hunted, mm -hmm. but not in a, not as part of like a mass industry. Yeah that strips the environment mm -hmm. yeah but i think these are uh these are coherent hobbies aren't they it's um they all speak to somebody who is um basically internal um mm -hmm. not um even when he's capable of being a warm or loving person he's not a particularly gregarious one yeah um somebody who spends most of his time alone and likes it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's major breaks. Um, the next question is, is this character living the life they want? And if not, what does that life look like? I think major breaks probably is living the life he wants. Yeah. By, by the end of the show, I think he is. Well, yes. And it goes back to the idea that he is living a life of duty, mm -hmm. a higher purpose. Yes, I think it's important that when he talks about Bobby's good life, he says it's a life of deep harmony mm -hmm. um, and joy. But right. harmony seems to be the operating principle in that I think Briggs is someone who wants all of the pieces of his life or anybody's life to be working together in their proper yeah. place. And so I think by the end of the show, he is someone who has put his family in its proper place in his life alongside his work, mm -hmm. alongside his, you know, broader beliefs or sense of um, responsibility to some kind of, I don't know, cosmic battle. Right. Um, and he is satisfied with that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That idea that Major Briggs values harmony mm -hmm. makes him kind of a tragic figure to me. Yeah. Because his higher calling is constantly pulling him out of that harmony. Yes. Yes. And ultimately, uh, his death is pretty mysterious, but mm -hmm. it's not pleasant. Whatever happened to him, no, it makes a grisly end. And he, um, he's broken up. Yeah, which I think literally. is literally broken up, but like um, his parts are put to use, <laughs> you know, like he's, uh, right. he's not allowed to just be a dead body in one place or um, to, you know, I don't know. He strikes me as somebody who would want to be cremated. Right. Um, to dissolve back into the earth and back into the material world while his soul goes somewhere or whatever um, he believes about what happens after death. His soul seems to be kind of trapped and his body is um, used by people for their own purposes. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. You think his soul is trapped? I don't know. It's well, hard to say. his head is floating around in a liminal space. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> kind of what I mean. Um, it's hard to say. We can talk more about that, that when we get to the return. It could be. It could and mean is that. able to continue guiding Cooper. Yeah, true. Which is maybe what he would prefer. But um, 
It doesn't seem happy. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it is, to, it is like some mm -hmm. existing footage that they had of right. Major See, that's, Briggs of Don Davis saying right. Blue Rose. Yeah, they could only use what they had. And, you know, Major Briggs is so important. They had to have him in there some way, even though Don Davis had passed away. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. Also, by the way, R.I.P. Julie Cruz. R.I.P. Julie Cruz. We're recording this just a couple of days after she passed away as well. And it's uh, it's very sad. It seems like we're losing all of them. Twin Peaks greats. Yeah. They're just passing away. Um, yeah. But anything else you want to say on this? Uh, no. No? Okay. Well, let's move on. Um, this is interesting to me. What is this character's relationship to the economy of Twin Peaks? Well, he, he is not plugged into the economy. No. Because he is in the military. Yeah. Well, uh, of course, the military is part of the U.S. economy. Yes, it is maybe the most important part in some ways. Yes, and um, I think small towns that have military bases, the economies of those towns can kind of build themselves around that base. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but his, uh, his connection is more uh, attenuated because, you know, obviously the Air Force uh, relies on contractors mm -hmm. and weapons manufacturers yeah and that also plugs um the american economy into the world economy mm -hmm. through arms sales and things yeah. like that yeah. and that's that also you know those arms sales uh kind of become part of our relationships with other countries and mm -hmm. it feeds into foreign policy mm -hmm. and that's all very complicated uh and in a way that sort of hovers over um Major Briggs. Yeah. But he's not directly involved in that, mm -hmm. except um, I guess it's part of, you know, that goes into his paycheck. Right. And there isn't a military base yeah, there's no at base. Twin Peaks. It's a listening outpost. So I think we are meant to understand that it really is just Major Briggs there. Um, maybe a couple other people, but it's mm -hmm. not like there is a whole thriving network of military <clears throat> or Air Force people. Um around Twin Peaks driving its economy. I think if there were, that would make his place in the community a little different. Um, but it yeah. seems like he's the only member of the military who even lives there. Right, yeah. So That we um, see, at least. Right, he's not part of material production mm -hmm. uh, of the goods necessary for yeah. society. And he's not somebody whose presence there might drive that production the way... Uh, large base would right but he sort of stands in for the kind of uh threat of violence that is necessary to uh prop up yeah the productive forces mm -hmm. um if you see like the development of the modern nation state as fundamentally entwined with the rise of capitalism yeah and i think he's maybe a sign of what's to come for twin peaks in that it is when the show begins, it is really making that move, which will be complete by the time of the return, uh, move away from being a production economy right. to becoming a service and knowledge economy. Right. Um, Briggs is on the knowledge side. He's somebody whose job is about um, finding and then organizing information. Right. Um, and Twin Peaks is moving towards 
<clears throat> that kind of work and the kind of work that like Ben Horn manages, right. um, you know, running a hotel that lets people see greenery and enjoy themselves mm -hmm. rather than what happens at the mill or any work that's related to, you know, hunting or fishing or forestry. Yeah. And uh, in terms of class position, mm -hmm. even though, right, he's not plugged into the uh, the actual, like, productive economy of Twin mm -hmm. Peaks, his class position, uh, position aligns him with people like Ben Horn. Mm -hmm. um, or the Palmers. Yes, probably more the Palmers than Ben Horn. Yeah. In terms of how much he makes, you mm -hmm. know, he's not, uh, I would imagine, I don't know how much a major makes. <sighs> I imagine he does pretty well. Yeah. It's not like rich. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously he moves in the same circles as the Palmers. The Haywards. Yeah. The Haywards, doctors, lawyers. Mm -hmm. um, that's his social stratum. Yeah. And so somebody like Laura is a much more appropriate girlfriend for Major Briggs' son than someone like Shelley. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It could be that someone like Major Briggs would look down on on uh, people like... I don't know if he'd look down on Shelly. Because mm -hmm. he, he seems to get along with her just fine. But, yeah, from what we can see. Um, we certainly look, look down on Leo. Yes. But of course, Leo is also a criminal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to imply that Major Briggs looks down on poor people or anything. I mean, but this is, this isn't is just... a matter of his like personal right. um, feelings, but his class position is one that is um, secure and professional. Right. And he's just not concerned with what, um, what someone like Leo is doing, mm -hmm. except in so far as he's breaking the law. Yeah. Which is, you know, violating the, the basic rights, usually property rights mm -hmm. um, or, uh, uh, preventing the minimal stability required to keep the system going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but obviously, you know, Major, Major Briggs is not just defined by his class. He's uh, a person who's noble, as we've been saying. And mm -hmm. So I think probably he, um, you know, like if he knew what Leo was doing to Shelley, I yeah, don't think he would just say it. Oh, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll, at the same time, I'm not sure. You know, he he doesn't know. Yeah, and, and it's know. not really his purview. Yeah. So it's not it's not a yeah like you're saying it's not about who he is or what he wants. Mm -hmm. His feelings. Yeah. His values. It's just where is he positioned within society? Yeah. Yeah. And he's not positioned in society to um, prevent to prevent violence mm -hmm. against women from happening. Yeah. He's positioned in society to uh, serve the national interests. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that, that, that purpose only begins to take him beyond that, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why he's ultimately the fact that he's uh, the fact that he has a higher calling leads him beyond the narrowness of his, duty to his country yeah mm -hmm. or his class or his class mm -hmm. yeah because you know his job is requiring him to look into supernatural phenomena because 
that was deemed to be in the national interest yeah. under Project Blue Book, a real thing. Mm-hmm. Project Blue Book was real. Yes. And so the idea was if there are unexplained phenomena, we have to look into it mm-hmm. because it could be some kind of foreign military weaponry or aircraft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or if on the off chance it is something like alien craft or an alien invasion, like if that were real, then it would be a matter of national security. Yes. Right. But what Major Briggs finds out is that there is more to the world than can be systematized. Yeah. And what's at stake is much greater than the national interest. Mm -hmm. And that sort of, yeah, allows him to transcend his position in some ways. Yeah, I think that's right. And then Cooper does the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this uh, last night, that when Cooper goes into the Red Room, Mm -hmm. that's probably not... uh, He probably broke some kind of protocol or just didn't tell anyone he was going to do it. Yeah. Like, basically, when he was... there's no way that that was something that yeah, he was supposed I mean, to do as an FBI think, agent. Think about how much trouble he got in when he crossed international borders. <laughs> <laughs> right. Without permission. Right. You, you cross the borders of space and time uh-huh. and into another dimension. Right. Uh, there's no way, you know, there's no way he ran that by anyone. No. Uh, and if he had run it by someone, he wouldn't have been cleared to do it. No. I, I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, we will find out later that... Um, that all these FBI agents are actually involved in Project Blue Rose from mm-hmm. way back. And, sure. Uh, that Jeffries um, was kind of uh, riding the spaces between spaces mm-hmm. as well. Yes. Um, so, but uh, some of that seems a bit retcon to me. Sure. And at any rate, once that starts happening again, you're leaving behind ju- uh, the, the main purpose of the FBI. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. You're necessary. It's like you're because the laws of reality are breaking down. Yeah. Those laws of reality are the foundation for the uh, mission statement of the FBI. Well, and it, yes. You're, you're no longer concerned with like preventing terrorism or whatever the FBI is supposed to do. Yeah. You, you know, mean, drug trafficking, human trafficking. This is, this is getting a little far afield from Major Briggs himself, but you can make an argument that Twin Peaks, at its core, it's a show about boundaries breaking down. Right. And um, all kinds of boundaries. And what the FBI is, it is a law enforcement agency that is supposed to transcend boundaries in that it is supposed to take on cases that cannot be confined to a single jurisdiction. Right. And within the United States. So it still takes some boundaries for granted. That is the boundaries of America. Right. Which Cooper immediately transgresses. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a show about transgressing boundaries in all kinds of ways. Um, Way back to the original sin of the show, which is Leland transgressing a boundary. Right. Um, But in any case, Major Briggs. (laughs) um, Yeah, I think his, his work is something that maybe allows him to see some of those stricture restrictions as less important yeah and it's interesting to think uh about these conservative characters like major briggs and even cooper Mm -hmm. um uh how they how you know how they might see this tension between their their role as 
upholders of boundaries and Mm -hmm. law and their actual lives that are Mm -hmm. and their actual goals that lead them further and further from anything that they can define right and that also lead them to um yeah it's not just negative Mm -hmm. it's it can it's positive in that they are trying to to save not just americans yeah not just law-abiding americans right right uh they're trying to save everyone they're trying Mm -hmm. to save the world yeah yeah as hacky as that can seem now Mm -hmm. as a premise yeah and i say that cooper is a conservative figure i mean i don't know people will uh, take offense at that no i think he's in the fbi yeah and i mean they don't have any communists no it's kind of a he might be like a James Comey FBI agent. Sure, sure. Who is like halfway to being a Democrat. Yeah, but only in a very um, kind of amorphous social sense. Though it's interesting that that Cooper says he wants to know what happened to JFK. Mm, yeah, it's just like ask one of your coworkers. I know, man. <laughs> right. Like, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. I, that, I bet Gordon Cole knows. <laughs> I bet Gordon Cole knows what happened to JFK. Yes. Although maybe this is kind of true to how the deep state works, that a lot of people yeah. no, in I those think... positions do kind of wind up seeing themselves as weirdly like independent mm-hmm. and like given free reign yeah. to come up with whatever. Yeah. No, I, I, have. I believe that not everyone who works for the fbi knows what happened to well JFK. no but um this podcast is not taking a position on what happened to jfk for the record but it's interesting that cooper wants to know mm-hmm. implying he doesn't believe the official story yeah the warren yeah. commission right exactly so you know maybe how conservative can he be mm-hmm. uh, of course conspiracy theories are often uh yeah maybe Maybe they're mostly conservative these days. I mean, well, he's really into, you know, freeing Tibet, which is kind of um, one of those politically wacky movements in that right. um, on the surface, it seems like very hippy to be. Um, it's very culturally left wing, but uh, politically, it's not always so left wing. It's complicated. Yeah, was yeah was uh, Cooper the first... QAnon. Yeah, really. (laughs) I don't know. That's silly. But uh, it is interesting. Yeah, you have all these these sort of new agey currents, Mm -hmm. conservative currents. Yeah. But also this show is always sort of uncomfortable with things as they appear to be Mm -hmm. and uncomfortable with official narratives. Yeah. Um, And none of it is put together into a system. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just all jumbled together yeah. in true David Lynch fashion. Sure, which kind of takes us to our final question, which is what do we think Major Briggs's politics are, if he right. has any? Or yeah, and we've, also we've been calling him conservative, but conservative is I think especially in the world of a show more of a political tendency than a real ideology. Um he's conservative in that he's somebody who believes in institutions and right. um, tradition. And wants to move slowly, I think, if he moves at all. Um, but what does that tell us about his his political beliefs? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
Um, it's often said that the uh, the the officer class mm-hmm. and uh, you know the higher ranks of the military are actually less conservative than rank and file. Yeah, and are maybe not quite as reactionary. I don't know if that's true or not. I think it's something that's complicated and that it changes over time. I think it's um we shouldn't fall into the American trap of defining conservatism versus liberalism as well. Do you vote for Republicans or Democrats? Yeah. There are plenty of conservative um, Democrats out there. Um, and there are conservative liberals. It's not really a dichotomy. Liberalism is an ideology. Um, liberalism and yeah. And what I think, right. what I think is true is that the officer class right now, at least they are more likely to vote for Democrats than the rank and file in the military. And that is really just um, a side effect of them being on the whole more educated. Right. And maybe having more conservative instincts in the Yes. In the um, simply conservatism as a... Uh, a belief in American institutions and a belief in their own duty to protect those institutions. Right. And, and as a kind of personal instinct yes. that yeah. uh, an instinctive desire to safeguard order. Mm, yeah. 100%. And that's why, you know, increasingly as the Republican Party becomes reactionary you know mm-hmm. reactionary is not conservative in the sense of conserving it's, yeah it's, it is it's, it's desire, an attempt to go backwards and the uh, ultimately it becomes a desire to it becomes revolutionary mm-hmm. in the sense of wanting to remake society yeah uh in its own image mm-hmm. uh, and that may be some imagined golden age of the past yeah yeah or something like that mm-hmm. um but someone like major briggs would be uh, very hesitant, you know. Yeah. You know, because at a certain point on that spectrum, you wind up with people that mm-hmm. are going to be on the opposite side of the military yeah. in any kind of conflict that erupts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think Major Briggs would have voted for Donald Trump. Definitely not the second time around. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is, we're getting a dicey territory. I know. Like, who would vote for who? Um, and also, Harry yeah, Truman's a Trump. I look this is rural <laughs> this is rural Washington State. That's true. So yeah. Well probably a lot of Trump voters in mm-hmm. real life. 20 yeah. Days. No, so, see here's what I think. I think Major Briggs might have voted for Trump in twenty sixteen because he was the Republican candidate and he just votes for the Republican candidate. But I think by 2020, he might have thought, okay, we have to get this guy out of here. The real answer is that he didn't vote for anyone because he disappeared. That's true. And then was murdered. Yeah, good point. He was just a floating head. <laughs> <laughs> floating heads can't vote. They don't have thumbs. What if the, the head floating <laughs> on the star field had said, make America great again? Did Major Briggs' family cancel his voter registration? Was he still registered to vote after he became a floating head? Because know. that's voter fraud. <laughs> a lot of dead people voted. I a lot of dead people voted. Yeah, maybe yeah, Major Briggs maybe was he, one of them. Maybe he did as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I, is he actually Republican? Would he vote for X or Y? I feel I like know. whether he's a Republican or a Democrat, those are like less interesting questions. And in a way, that's like, it's almost a different political world than it was in the 90s. Mm, for sure. Where I do think um, people were a little less ideological. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, it's hard to say. This was the early 90s, right? Yeah. And um, I 
in a way, that's it's almost more of a cultural mm-hmm. uh, a cultural definition to say Major Briggs seems conservative. Yeah, yeah. It just seems like a conservative kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, and you know, look, he's in the Air Force, so he yeah. probably believes that the military is good. Yes, yes. And believes, you know, sincerely in their mission. Mm-hmm. And therefore believes in America as a concept. Yeah. Wants to protect America, sees his life's work as wrapped up in mm-hmm. America as a national project. Yes. But I also, and I, we never saw Major Briggs interact with Denise, did we? I don't remember. Yeah. But I think he probably would have been decent. Well, so here's, here's the thing. Because I wanted to talk about this, because mm-hmm. this question also uh, goes into religious belief, mm-hmm. and it's hard to pin down mm-hmm. because reading the Bible yeah. as a recreational activity—that's mm-hmm. social conservatism. Yeah, that's true by and large. But that's something that doesn't quite fit. Mm-hmm. We can say that Major Briggs changed over time. Yes. And that he became more loving or mm-hmm. developed better or closer connections with his family. Yeah. And maybe he, yeah, maybe he became a little disillusioned with the Air Force. Sure. Thinking that, because later on he says that they didn't have, mm-hmm. or he didn't trust them. Yeah. Their motivations and trying to hold back information about Wendell Murrell. Right. They were working their own angle. Anyway. But the this religious thing is harder to track because it it really only shows up in the missing pieces, mm-hmm. and it, he's the most explicitly Christian character. Yeah, unless he's reading the Bible to hunt know. for code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like in the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, but yeah. <laughs> um. Or he's a Gnostic. And, yeah, uh, sure. That's possible. <laughs> thinks that the serpent is actually Jesus uh-huh. saved Adam and Eve from uh, the, the, the demiurge. I don't mm-hmm. know. No, I, so that's something that they don't come back to. And then everything that we see about Major Briggs' belief system after that is much more open. Mm-hmm. You know, he has this vision yeah. about Bobby. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that he has the vision. He seems to have a framework for understanding what it is. Yes. Like, what does he say? It's the mind revealing, revealing itself to itself. Right. Yeah. Which is a more Cooper-esque way of looking sure. at the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to reconcile this. Yes. So the Major Briggs that reads the Book of Revelations for fun, <laughs> I don't want to know how, what he thinks about gay people. Yeah. Yeah. True. But the Major Briggs that believes a dream is actually a vision, which is the mind revealing itself to itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that a change that happened? Did Was this his first vision? Maybe. I would also say uh, or uh, venture a guess that if he was like a fundamentalist Christian when he started mm-hmm. his investigation into paranormal activity, yeah. since this is a world where those things are real, mm-hmm. maybe that changed him. I only, I think it's interesting because he is very similar to Cooper in that he seems to be someone who is very tolerant towards and generous towards oddness. Yes. Um, And we see that in his behavior towards like the elderly waiter and towards the log lady. 
Um, and that just makes me think that he is not someone who is so hidebound when it comes to his personal judgments and interactions. I agree. Yeah. It's just hard for me to square that with the Bible. The right. Bible. Yeah. And I know that I'm, you know, I'm using stereotypes here. Sure. Like, obviously, there are Christians who are not socially conservative. Mm -hmm. um, but quite frankly, they don't usually read the Bible for fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're out there. They're out there. Um, but, but it makes me wonder, is this also part of his change? Yeah. That he, as he um, learns more about the strange forces at work in mm -hmm. Twin Peaks, yeah. how they're connected with the forces, the powers, and uh, <laughs> the principalities and powers <laughs> in the woods. Yeah. Um, and also that maybe, maybe if he really does have a sense that he failed and he has to repair his personal relationships mm -hmm. and find a new path in life, yeah. maybe that's all working together mm -hmm. and making him less religious in the traditional sense. Yeah. Because we never see him read the Bible again. Or talk no, about we don't. The Bible or God or anything. We don't. It seems like he got converted to woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think maybe he did. And, you know, maybe we're meant to see that he's better for that. David Lynch is a kind of woo-woo guy. Very woo-woo. He's very woo-woo. Mark Frost, maybe a little woo-woo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Frost, I think, is into the occult stuff. You're right. He's into the occult and the UFO stuff. Yeah. Um, Sex magic, maybe. Sex, yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> That's why the Briggs marriage is so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not sex magic. Good sex is not sex magic. Yeah, it's well, magical sex. In fact, right. I believe that the sex involved in sex magic is probably always terrible. Yeah, that's kind of my impression. Because you're just doing it to like get you know achieve some end. Yeah, right. Well, that's that's one theory. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess. One theory about the last episode of the return. Of the return right. That there's. That sex magic yeah, going on. they're doing sex magic and it doesn't seem like it's fun it doesn't seem fun at all no um but yeah alistair crowley that sort of stuff yeah mm -hmm. well i think <laughs> <laughs> we've gone through all our points so major breaks is he a good guy or a bad guy i think he's a good guy i think he's a good guy and um you know he's not the central character so he doesn't really have the kind of arc that cooper has where in a way, Cooper's goodness is interrogated, mm -hmm. I would say, pretty harshly by the show. Absolutely. Uh, this time around, it really seemed... Mm -hmm. um, we came down pretty hard on Cooper. Yeah. But in a way, it's only because he, there's this good impulse, this mm -hmm. real true human decency that Cooper has that allows him to be tragic in that sense. Yeah. Being flawed. For and sure. And his failures seem so... Um, so you know, grave and, and have all these consequences for mm -hmm. everyone else. Yeah. Um, and with Major Briggs, in a way, he's a less complicated figure, I think. The show seems to look up to him, mm -hmm. see him as a good guy. Yeah. Maybe he was a little rough around the edges or, or um, you know, a little too stern or authoritarian at first, but he, he changes over time and he's practically a hero. Yeah. <laughs> by the end of the, the series. Absolutely. Okay, I want to go back to something I said before we end this episode. I think I got myself into trouble. Uh-oh. Saying that Cooper was a James Comey Republican. <laughs> so, I don't oh, know. Oh, no one called the police. <laughs> uh, it, 
you wind up saying silly things when you start to say uh we start to try to pin down fictional characters where yeah the details weren't written into them yeah and in a way twin peaks is not the real world so you can't just map it onto the real world no, where, for sure um you know in a way like cooper makes sense within the world of twin peaks and mm -hmm. the more you try to move him into the real world yeah the more you get on into dicey territory no right but um you know to the extent that you can talk about a character's politics mm -hmm. um the fact that he is really into tibet yeah i think in the 90s that would make him a democrat i think probably but i think um, he's like uh mca from the beastie boys yeah but i guess my point is that 90s democrats were pretty conservative that could make you conservative but what's interesting is because things change over time mm -hmm. the fact that he is cool with Denise. Yeah. Nowadays means he could not be a Republican. Yeah, absolutely. At all. 100%. 100%. And that forces him into the Democratic camp. Mm -hmm. And now things are a lot more ideological and polarized. Yeah. Um, so just even that fact alone, which I think for Cooper and the way it's presented in the show, there's nothing ideological about Denise. No. Or about the decision to accept her as she is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, a, it's from a simpler time. Yeah, absolutely. Where... It's not, it's like they didn't even know that this could, would one day be interpreted as uh, an ideological, mm -hmm. you know, salvo yeah. in a culture war, For sure. which it would be if it aired now. Yeah, 100%. Um, so uh, in that sense, you know, political, political characterizations can change over time. Yes. And... Um, so if Cooper's conservative, you know, there's a sense, there's a sense in which politics are um, contextual. So in a different mm -hmm. context, he's more or less yeah. conservative. Yeah. But really in terms of the show, what matters when we say he's conservative is simply that he is someone who believes in law and order. Mm -hmm. And that's his whole job. That's his yeah. career. Right. And specifically, uh, he's an FBI agent. Mm-hmm. And so, again, he works for the federal government. He believes in the federal government as an institution. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And he believes that he can do good in the world as an FBI agent. Yeah. That's an essentially conservative viewpoint. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't make him a bad person. No, of course not. Uh, but it does. It is part of what it's part of what limits his uh, insight yeah. into the world. Mm -hmm. for Sure. And I think to bring it back a bit. Briggs is somebody who is not quite so bound by that um, loyalty to his institution. And that I think he, he does believe in the Air Force. He believes in the ability of his position as an Air Force officer to do this work and to do good through that work. But I think he is maybe a little more able to see the work itself as something that is not contained by the Air Force. If you know what I mean? That's true. Well, uh, he says that about his medals. Yeah. That yeah. accomplishment is its own reward. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Although, if you believe that, why do you walk around with, with wearing them all on? the time? Right. Is that a requirement? <laughs> no. In fact, in fact, now that I think about it, that may be explicitly against the rules. Against the uniform code. Well, that I think it's that depends you only on... wear all of your medals on special occasions. Right. Unlike formal. 
yeah. events and stuff like that. Well, he's a TV character. Yeah. It's a visual signifier. Right. That's, to... that's something we got to remember when we do these character episodes, that they are characters. They're not people. So. Right. Characters welcome mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yes. So on that note, this was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Our next episode is going to be another character one. We're going to talk about the log lady, the great Margaret Lannerman. So that'll be especially fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, in the words of our subject... We wish you nothing but the very best in all things. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We are expecting to release new episodes of It's Not About the Bunny every two weeks. So if you like what you've heard and you want to keep listening, please subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review. If you don't like what you're hearing, that's cool. But please, please keep it to yourself. Bye. The sycamore Oh, oh, oh.